Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. I'm here with Sarah Brewer. I'm so excited to learn from Sarah today. Hello, Sarah. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So Sarah, funny story. I had a follower on Instagram that was that messaged me and was like, I love your podcast. And I also love Sarah Brewer's podcast. You should listen to her podcast. And I don't even know what else she said. But then I looked up Sarah and I was like, oh my gosh, we're related. (laughs) I know Sarah. Um, Sarah is married to my first cousin. We've actually only met Sarah and I just once, but I was like, I got to get Sarah on the podcast. (laughs) Okay. So, and I've been wanting to discuss this, like Sarah, tell us, This podcast is about pornography, specifically pornography and kids. Mm -hmm. Um, So Sarah, tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got started in this. Yeah. So I'm a life coach who helps people who want to quit viewing porn, mostly work with 18 and older. My approach is very shame-free, sex positive, and that's what I do all the time. And how did... I think it's so cool. I've, you know, since started you know, consuming a lot of your stuff. And I think it's such an important thing that you are doing. How did you, how did this become an interest for you? Like, how did you get started in this? So I, after I finished my certification with life coach school, I started coaching return missionaries that were members of my church. And, you know, just the transition is hard. And and Mm -hmm. a lot of them, most of the return missionaries I was talking to were like, hey, can you help me with this porn habit that I have? I got rid of it before my mission and now I'm home and it's coming back. And this Mm -hmm. is what's really painful for me right now. So it's like, yeah, absolutely. So started coaching them, helping them with porn and the tools that I was using with them were working really, really, really well, a lot better than any of the other stuff that they had tried. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are quite a few reasons for that, but but probably the main reason is that we don't look at it like an addiction, like a lot of them do, but it's usually not an addiction. And so the addiction recovery stuff doesn't even help, sometimes makes it worse. Very focused on bringing down the shame around it because the shame always drives us just to hide and avoid and usually just makes it worse. So that's how I got into it is just talking to people as I was doing what I was doing and realizing that this was probably the biggest pain point and the tools that I had were what people needed. That's amazing. And I've read some of your reviews that people have left either on your podcast or, you know, on your Instagram and it's impacting people so much. I feel like this is such a needed thing because I think, like you said, there is a lot of shame Mm -hmm. associated with doing pornography, but a lot of times not a clear path Mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just like a lot of my clients too here. Well, this is just something you have to learn to deal with forever. Started viewing it. And sucks for you. Now, welcome to our group. And you're just here for the rest of your life, you know? Yeah. It's kind of sad. It's sad. I'm laughing a little bit, but it is sad. And it's a belief that we really have to work on and change. And I mean, yeah, I, I, I get a lot of messages that it's 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 helping people a lot more than some of the fear 
tactics that you hear around porn. Okay. So let's switch to um, like our kids. I would love Mm -hmm. to just talk about how maybe let's start like the effects of pornography on kids and adults, but Mm -hmm. maybe let's just start there. Sure. So the the main thing about porn um, is that it's it's an escape. It's what I call a buffer. It's it's what people use to escape emotions. And so you know, like all of us have stuff: sugar, video games, TV. Mm-hmm. And so if it becomes a habit that that's just how we're escaping our emotions, it just you know becomes the way that we escape emotions as we get older. That's one of the effects. Other effects, um, you know, using it to numb emotions that you have mm-hmm. a lot of with kids, especially like body image, self image, skewed um, views of what sex is. It's probably the biggest one. I love Glennon Doyle's new book and that book. She has a chapter about pornography and speaking to kids specifically or to a mom whose kid was caught looking at porn. And she says like, we don't want you viewing sex because that, that, or not sex. We don't want you viewing porn because that's fake sex and fake sex ruins real sex for you. Right. So the problem isn't these feelings and sex. The problem is that this is giving you a very high intense, um, concentrated amount of this thing that is good. And, and if we get too hooked on it, it can really ruin real vulnerable sex for you in the future. Yeah. The actual like real life Mm-hmm. connection and sex. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it keeps it kind of one-sided too, instead of seeing it as something that is meant for partners and mm. two-sided and giving. So how I'm interested to know how many, um, how many of our kids are going to see porn and at what age on average? I always tell people all of them. <laughs> All of them are going to see porn. And I know the studies right now that I've seen is about 11 years old is is about normal. Mm-hmm. And kind of my main message around that too is like, that's okay. <laughs> and they're all going to see it. And we don't have to freak out and throw out all of the computers, throw out all of the Xboxes. Like most people, I mean, at least for the last, gosh, 20 years since the internet has been here, most people have seen porn and people are okay and people are figuring it out and it's not ruining everyone's lives. Yeah. We talked before we started recording how sometimes that is an initial reaction. Like when you, you maybe you do find out like mm-hmm. my, my kid, my son or my daughter saw porn. It's like, okay, we're getting rid of, like you said, mm-hmm. everything like this can't, this can't happen. Mm-hmm. What do you, in, like, what would you recommend instead? Like, say you do find out Hey, my son or daughter has viewed porn. Like what, what are the, which, what are the next steps? Yeah. So the most important thing here is how you feel and like your emotional state around it. Cause that's going to, like your kids are going to feel whatever that is. So if it's a mm-hmm. lot of fear or shame, your kids are going to feel that. And so first, like just kind of checking yourself and what you believe about it and, and, and how you feel around it. And if you're feeling a lot of really freaked out, like kind of, kind of take a look at that first. I once heard Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Are you familiar with her? Have you heard of her before? Yeah. She's awesome. I once heard her explain it like um, she relates porn to a candy store, you know, and like if we have our kids in a candy store and then expecting them to never want candy, like that's crazy. Of course they're going to want candy. It's the same with our kids who are growing up and having these normal body things happening, you know, sexually, like 
sex, I mean, the truth is with the internet, it's kind of like a candy store. It's just mm-hmm. there and expecting them to never be interested in it and shaming them for when they are interested in it. That's just not helpful. And it's okay, just like we can teach kids to not eat candy all the time or even to not have, you know, candy right at all until they're older. <laughs> we can do that without shaming them for wanting it. Yeah. And I think that we sometimes forget that, you know, sexuality is an important piece of what makes up a person. So I, I think you're right that it's normal. They're yeah, cool. exploring and yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, totally. I, I just am thinking like, in, so just using this as an opportunity to teach about your body instead of using it as an opportunity to be really afraid. How, how do you, as a parent say that initial, that initial reaction is fear. Like what do you, how do you manage? Like if, if you find out and all you're feeling is fear, mm-hmm. what else is available to you? Well, you do would want to ask yourself, like, why am I feeling fear? And then from there, you can kind of look at that and ask, is it true? So am I feeling fear because I'm thinking, oh, no, they're messed up or, oh, no, now they're always going to want sex and just really questioning that. Like, is that true? Probably not. Yeah, I love and, that. Yeah, it, it, right. Because the fear is coming from a belief that you have that might not be true. And so instead of, oh, no, my kid is figuring out this part of their body that is pleasurable and feels good. Oh, no. Like, oh, look, my kid's figuring out this part of his body or her body that's pleasurable. Where can we go from here? How can I teach him about this? Just like, you know, my kid, when he gets angry, I teach him positive ways to handle that anger. We can do that here, too. So true. It is so interesting, though, how how sexuality, at least for me has a different stigma around it than, mm-hmm. than some of those other things like about like anger or any other like normal development and exploration. Yeah. Right. Which is interesting when we look at all the research, it, it's just such a normal, normal, normal part of development, just like anger or jealousy or any, or pleasure, right? Just any kind of pleasure. Yeah. It's so interesting. Okay. So what should you, what would you recommend like I imagine there, have you ever read the book, um, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures? I haven't. Uh-uh. No, okay. but I think I've seen that one. It's it's a really good one. Um, about It's a book that you read to your kids. I'll link it in the show notes when they're little. And it's about how to deal with those emotions, like when you see porn, basically. So, and teaching yourself that you have a feeling, a feeling part to your brain and you have a thinking part to your brain and how it's important to, to engage the thinking to thinking brain and always have that part of your, your body, like, I guess, in charge of, of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for like when I was um, reading that book to my younger kids, it really gave them, or to my older kids rather, it really gave them this idea of like, okay, how I can like some tools, I guess, to do, to have, like once you do see porn, like what would you, how would you recommend preparing our kids for when they do, see pornography? Because like you said, they all are going to. Mm-hmm. What should be their first, their thing? What should we teach them to do when that happens? I think it's probably most important that they just feel comfortable um, talking to you about sex and any sexual stuff. And so I think maybe we'll talk about this more in the conversation, but c- creating like a sex positive environment in the house where it's not just, I just ask about pornography every month or so. And it's all, it's just like a couple time conversation. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, like have them tell you, ask them questions about it. I always teach my clients 
when they have these urges to go, like if, if your kid is telling you that maybe they wanted to, they felt some desire to go look at it some more, that we stop, we drop into our body and we just breathe through that, right? We can feel that and we can breathe into it and not respond to it. Just like anger, right? When you feel angry, Daniel Tiger, when you feel <laughs> so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. Count to four. I know yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My son was singing it to me and my husband last night because we were angry at each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, so similar skills like that, right? And, and teaching them that whatever feelings come up when they do see that they're not bad, but also we don't want to keep looking at pornography because it has these negative effects on us. And some of them are body image, self-image, and mostly, right, just an unrealistic view of sex. In the article, have you heard of the article, um, The Naked People in Your iPhone? That's what it's called. It's a really good one that you might want to link to too. But he talks about talking to his son about seeing porn and he relates it to um, Fast and Furious. So if you are watching TV and you're watching Fast and Furious and you think driving is like Fast and Furious where you're driving through the subway, right? That's just a very unrealistic view of driving and very dangerous. Totally. And so it's the same with pornography is it's, um, it's unrealistic. It's dangerous. It gives us this skewed sense of something that is really great and beautiful and God-given, and it just kind of skews that. And so we want to avoid that. We don't want that to be a part of our how we see sex and how we see other people. And right that message instead of, this is a slippery slope. And if you view porn, you're never going to be happy. Stay away from this. Always run away from this, like like shaming. And mm-hmm. when I say run away from it, I mean like, yeah, we're, we, we want our kids to run away from it, <laughs> but not in this sense. It's like something's wrong with you. Yeah. Run away. Don't tell anyone. Hide. Yeah. And I love that analogy of, of the fast and the furious. I've never heard that, but I feel like that really works. The analogy really works. Yeah. So what I, and I, what I also hear you saying is that the most important thing maybe is that our kids feel like they can talk to us mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like hiding hiding in shame or just not being talked about, but it's like something that they're bringing to us and having a conversation about. Yeah, absolutely. And and so if your kid does come to you and say, maybe you've got a teenager or younger and he comes and tells you, Hey, like I'm struggling. I've been looking at pornography. Like instead of very scared and fearful, like you could even switch that to, Oh my gosh, what an amazing kid. Like how many kids go to their parents Tell them that they're viewing porn. <laughs> mm, yeah. like not very many. What a great kid. What a great relationship we have. And this is okay. A lot of people do this. We'll figure this out. I love that. That just feels good. Like when I think of of that situation and and that conversation, I'm like having it play out that way. That just feels like support and it feels like love. Yeah. I love that. And your kid's going to feel that, right? That's why it's so important with where you're at, right? And we're not perfect. We're not always going to be perfect and that's fine. But your kid is going to feel what you're feeling. And so if you're feeling that support and love, it'll help him so much more than fear and shame. Yeah. So I think that, you know, obviously, like we kind of alluded to earlier, if if you haven't set up your family culture, I guess, to where you can talk about sex or anything really they're not just going to come to you one day and be like, Hey, I'm being porn. Like it has to have been created up until that point. Do you, would you have any advice on how to create 
a culture in your home where you do have conversations like that, where it is like, like you've been describing kind of sex positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and first too, I would say like there are, the kids are so good today and a lot of kids know porn is bad, right? They can feel it and they'll probably come and tell you, even if you haven't had a lot of open conversations about it too. Like I know so many of my clients, like their parents never taught them anything about sex, but they would still go and tell them just because they're great kids and great people. And so it's not like everything's lost. If you don't, if you have it. Yeah, that's great. That's great news. Like to not feel like you're like, Oh, my kid's 15 and we haven't created that yet. Yeah. I missed my chance. Yeah. No, I love yeah. That. No, it's not like that at all. And even if your kid is 15, like now we can, we can even start bringing that in now. So I think one important mindset to have around this is that most kids studies show that most kids want to learn about sex from their parents. They don't want to learn about sex from their friends or from the internet or from movies. Like they want that. Even if they're teenagers that are like, oh, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> like like that that creates safety for them too. And they want that. And so just just age appropriate conversations and it's just practice, right? So some examples just just being a little bit more open talking about puberty or menstruation for girls instead of just hush, hush, hush. I, I love my friend when I was in high school. I had a friend and her mom was so good at this. And I remember her telling me this story that her little brother came home and was like, mom, what's a tampon? Like there's tampons in the room, in the girl's bathroom or in the locker room that we saw, like a, a thing that said tampons. What is that? And it, her mom just went into a very factual, like normal conversation about what a tampon is. And he's like, ew, like, that's gross. <laughs> like It's not gross. And then just moves on. Right. And, and her doing that allowed him to come and ask her what a tampon is and just trust her that she'll tell him what it is. Because that's just real life stuff. Yeah. It's just real life stuff. And it's not something that needs to be hush hushed, <laughs> which some of us feel that way. And that's okay. Right. Another example, I, I follow this account on Instagram, I'm giving you another resource to link to. I have so many, but it's shame. It's great. Chastity. I love it. Yeah. Shame, it shame free chastity. Okay. This is a great one, especially for parents. And she gave the example of how her little girl came home from school one day and was like, um, what did she say? Like, what are nuts? Boys talk about their nuts. What do they mean? <laughs> and her dad goes into just a conversation about, oh, they're talking about testicles and testicles are a part of boys' private parts. And this is the penis and just like normalizing it in in age appropriate ways, right? Maybe an older child, you talk about washing yourself. And, and as they get older, like washing all of your private parts too, because mucus builds up or because you have period left over or blood left over from your period and cleaning out your vulva and, and kind of normalizing that a little bit. Or mm-hmm. teenagers, as they start dating, teaching about pleasure, which sounds scary, <laughs> right? But but yeah. just speaking about how sexual pleasure isn't a bad thing and how we talked about it a little bit before, like how we want to channel that pleasure and whatever those values are in your home, talking about those values in your house, how to channel that pleasure and just maybe hitting on the important points, which are you know consent. And if another person is involved in pleasure, we always need to offer, or there needs to be enthusiastic consent. Um, Some more of those more teenager appropriate conversations, like safe sex versus unsafe sex, or how alcohol plays a role with sex. And right, even if those aren't values that are part of your home where you don't want your teenager having 
sex before they're married, like still talking about that offers a place for them to, to learn because their friends probably are, you know, and the people in their environment in the future probably are, and just offers them a safe place to feel like they can um, talk about that. Yeah. And I, and not talking, I don't think talking about it is going to like, it won't like plant Mm -hmm. ideas or things they're not thinking about anyway, but I, I think you're right. It just offers them a place to like, feel like they can have the full breadth and depth of a conversation around it that they probably want to anyway. Yeah. That they want. Yeah. That's the key. They want to. And, and I'm thinking too, with consent to more, maybe more age appropriate conversations around consent with younger kids is just, you know, I am in charge of my body. And, mm. you know, if someone's my, my two-year-old pulling his sister by the arm, like, Hey, sister is in charge of her body and she doesn't like that. So please let go. You know, you're in charge of your body. We don't do other things to other people's bodies because they're in charge of them. Yeah. That's beautiful. How to, how to start that conversation early and what that looks like. Yeah. And, and um, to another resource is Kristen B. Hodson. She has a great Instagram profile and a lot of great resources for parents. And she speaks often about how it's uncomfortable, especially if we're not used to it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even if you are used to it, it might feel uncomfortable just because of our programming around sex and that's okay. And are we willing to be a little bit uncomfortable in these conversations and to try for, you know, the, the sake of our kids? Cause like you said, you know, talking about it, it's not going to make them want it more. <laughs> it's not going to give them permission to go and do more stuff. Um, it, it's actually um, most likely will, will help them make safer, better choices. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, that it can be uncomfortable mm-hmm. and what to do and what to do, which I guess the only thing to do is just to be a little uncomfortable, but do it anyway. Yeah. And if you do it wrong, that's okay. Or maybe your kid asks a question or something comes up and you're like, I don't know, let me think about that for a minute. And then we'll talk later. Or maybe you say something that maybe like react or respond. It's a little how you, how you didn't want to respond. And then you come back mm-hmm. later and say, Hey, like I was thinking about this conversation and I didn't respond how I wanted to respond. Here's what I would have said instead. Yeah, that's great. And I think you're right. Our kids are so willing to be like, oh, okay. Like, you know, it won't be like you ruined that. You ruined <laughs> it for forever. It's like you come back yeah. and you have the conversation again and mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. We're all going to ruin our kids a little bit. <laughs> so we don't need totally. to be <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Okay. What... What question or questions are you getting asked the most right now? It's on people's mind. I get asked a lot about how to handle and manage those urges. We talk a lot about how um, most people are just used to when they do get in this habit of viewing porn and it feels just automatic, like they just want it or a little bit compulsive. They're just used to either willpower, push away, push away, push away. And then they can only do that for so long. It just swings into um, just giving in. So you push willpower, willpower, and then you become exhausted. You give into it. You look at it. And then you finally muster up enough willpower. You go back and you push, push, push. And and that just creates a really exhausting cycle for us. And what I teach instead is a lot more mindful way of handling and processing the urges. So instead of go away, we just allow them to be there. Like how we talked about a little bit, Daniel Tiger, when we feel angry, Mm -hmm. we let ourselves feel that. We get really comfortable with that feeling and we don't need it to go away. We don't need to be afraid of the urges to go and look at porn because Mm -hmm. all the urges are, it's just a sensation in your body. It's not hurting you. 
It's not making you do anything. It's just this sensation that feels really uncomfortable. And so the better we can get at feeling that and being really uncomfortable, the more control we will have over over ourselves and our porn habit. And it requires getting out of the mind a little bit, right? What makes it hard is all of the thoughts, like I want it, I want it, maybe I should have it, I can't do this, I need it, right? And kind of getting out of that mind space and going into our body and just feeling that instead. So that's what I talk a lot about and a, a question I've been asked about a lot lately. Yeah. If there's someone someone listening that does that does have I don't, I don't know what the best word would you say a porn addiction? Is that how yeah. you describe it? So that's something that I've been talking about a lot too, is I don't use the word addiction. I use it very, very um, sparingly. Mm-hmm. I tell my clients is I, I can't take people who are addicted. That's just out of my scope. And what I mean by addicted is someone who cannot live a mostly functioning, normal life. So they can't hold a job. Mm-hmm. They can't go to school. They can't have somewhat mostly normal relationships, right? Their porn habit is putting them in a lot of danger. Um, and most of most people who are viewing porn, that's not most people who are viewing porn. And the data around addiction too is there's very different ideas and very different data. Like we, we can't prove addiction around pornography right now. And that addiction, I don't remember if this is your question, but I'm going on a little rant. Yeah, about go. I love it. Go. <laughs> I this addiction too, like when when my clients, and especially right in more conservative religions, we tend to use that word porn addiction more. All that does is it creates harm and it creates this addiction mindset that I'm stuck in this and I can't mm-hmm. change this and something's messed up with my brain. In reality, nothing's messed up with your brain. Your brain is working exactly how it should. And you actually having these compulsive urges to view pornography is a sign that your brain is working correctly. Just how our reward system is set up and porn gives you a lot of dopamine and your brain you know, is, is programmed to go and seek that dopamine. Nothing's wrong with your brain. You're not a addicted in the sense that like this something's broken and that you can't fix this. So I use the word habit a lot. Like you've got a porn habit, even mm-hmm. if you're viewing it every day, right? Um, and a habit seems a lot more fixable. And- yeah, that it's something you unlearn. Mm-hmm. So what we talked about this before we recorded a little bit, just about the different the different um, levels of addiction, which is mm-hmm. kind of what we're talking about here. Would you speak a little bit a little bit more to that. Yeah, let me pull it up because Elder Oaks, I don't know what your if your audience is a lot of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, that's a lot of my clients are. And one of our church leaders gave a talk around this because, like I said, in conservative religions, there tends to be a lot more stigma around pornography and a lot more of that word addiction. Mm-hmm. What he said that there are different levels, that there's just exposure to it, which is probably what most of our kids experience. Yeah. There's the occasional use, which is using it occasionally, right? There's intensive use, and then there's compulsive use. Now, that compulsive use is where you might categorize it as an addiction, but even in this compulsive use, and even Elder Oaks in this talk goes on to say, even here, we need to be careful. Mostly what I teach is like, if calling it an addiction helps you, then do it. Like, what do you feel when you think addicted? Do you feel like good? Do you feel like you can get help? Or do you feel shame and fear and scared? And if it's causing you to feel f- shame and fear and scared, you can drop it. And we have permission to drop that. And so and there's a- Use that. Yeah. Sorry. What's that? And and just not use and just label it something else, like rather than an addiction. 
Yeah, totally. So like I want chocolate every night at 8 p.m. <laughs> and I don't say I'm addicted to chocolate. Yeah. That's I could if I wanted analogy. to, but it doesn't sound helpful to me. <laughs> yeah. Like it makes it sound like you have no, no control. Mm-hmm. And, and too, I have heard of people who it is helpful for where it helps them realize mm-hmm. maybe that it is a problem of something they want to get rid of. So it could be helpful. But for most of my clients, it's not. Last question. What would you, what would be your advice to parents? My biggest advice is to do your best to drop the shame around it. All of my clients, that's one of the biggest hurdles is to get over the shame around it. We think that if we feel bad about what we're doing, um, it helps us stop. But most of the time that turns into, I am bad and there's something wrong with me. Mm. And I see over and over and over again, how the all that that does, all that I am bad, there's something wrong with me. It just causes them to look at it more always. And so the more we can drop the shame, there's nothing wrong with you. This is normal. Most people look at porn. Most people are exposed to porn. And that doesn't mean most people like continue viewing porn, right? And that doesn't mean we want to keep doing it, but there's nothing wrong with you. I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. Thanks so much for telling me. And then just keeping that, the conversation open Mm -hmm. from there. Yep. Yep. And offer yourself a lot of grace too, as parents, like you're not going to mess up your kids too much. (laughs) like you said everyone will a little bit everyone will a little bit but not too much (laughs) okay how can people connect with you if they want to go further how can we find you sure yeah so come follow me on my instagram profile page i don't even know is it facebook profile my my instagram page whatever sarah brewer coaching can come check with a no S-A-R-A, Sarah Brewer. Yes, no H, Sarah Brewer Coaching. You can also come find me at my website, sarahbrewer.com, no H. I have a free masterclass that right now I'm offering every Thursday. That's called How to Quit Viewing Porn, even if you've tried in the past. And we go into a lot of the brain stuff and a lot of the habit reformation science stuff that's um, really great and really um, interesting. And you said you work with usually 18 and older. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you have a teenager or someone who is trying to quit porn, I, I don't work with teenagers anymore, but I do have some um, referrals for you if you're looking for some professional help of people that, that you could work with too. So feel free to reach out to me there. You can just come to my website and there's a contact me page and I'd be happy to send those over to you. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. I, like I said, kind of at the beginning, like I have been seeing what your work is doing for people. And I think it's such an important work that we, that we do as parents is to, I think the biggest thing, like you said, is just releasing shame around, around it and just coming in with, with love and support and connection. And I love that, that that's what you are offering, offering people. I think it's so needed and so beautiful. So thank you for sharing yourself and, and your knowledge with us today. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. Hey there, thanks for listening to today's episode. To show our appreciation, we want to offer you a free gift. We have an incredible online course you can get now by going to familybrand.com or by following the link in the show notes. 
And while you're there at familybrand.com, be sure to follow us on social media so that we can go on this journey together. Lastly, if this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you share it with another powerful family in your life and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. We will see you in the next episode.